0: Thank you for the opportunity to be here. We pray that you be glorified in all that we say and do, not only in Sunday school, but in our service as well. Thank you for this time you have given us to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. No, actually, uh, talking about soda and stuff, that's that's fine. You can do that. That's that's part of stuff. It is interesting how people, one person's totally understandable addiction is another person's you know, weird. we sit there and you just go, you drink, you drink soda in the morning? It's got, it's got like sugar and caffeine in it? What do you have? Coffee. What do you put in it? Sugar. It's like, that makes total sense to you, but this is freaky. You know, or like, uh, my mom used to make chocolate chip pancakes, and then we'd put chocolate syrup on it. And people go, that's insane! Put maple syrup on it! Go, because wet sugar in that form makes sense, wet sugar in this form does not.
1: What I love is, you drink so much soda and think of all those chemicals you're putting in your body.
0: Well, there's that, <laughs> or, or or the little non-designated but semi-official smoking area outside the hospital where all the nurses are standing there. Oh, smoke you is go. Yeah, I want you in charge of my health. Anyway, okay, we're in. We're in, in, in the history. Maple syrup is, is that. No, that's not what I'm getting from.
2: Yeah, that so was a takeaway.
0: Yeah. No, it's, just, it's, just, it's just funny, the things that people say, this I, I, I hold and I cherish. Your slightly tweaked version of this cherished thing that I hold is freaky weird. Actually, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. Yeah, it does, actually. You do this slightly different than I do, you freak of nature. All right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about a counter-reformation. We've had a reformation going on within... Uh, groups that we'll call Reformed, or that have started to become called Protestants, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the Catholic Church is actually still doing stuff. Uh, When we talk about the Reformation, it's interesting, because a lot of times we're like, ah, that's it for the Catholics. You know, from now on, it's all about Protestants.
1: I wondered that because when I was re-listening to the lessons and I thought, what's the Pope's going on and stuff like
0: that during this? So. Well, up until this moment, there have been a lot of really naughty Popes, a lot of black hat Popes, a lot of, you know, handlebar mustachy, nasty, nasty, bad things. And there's been a lot of in, you know, in the Catholic Church up until this point just going, stop it! I mean, various degrees of stop it. They we're, were just like, we're going to send troops into Germany and make you Catholic again. It, it doesn't work like that. The very stuff that they're protesting, you keep doing in spades, not probably going to be helpful for getting them back into the Catholic Church. But the Catholic Church has been doing things. For instance, 1540, a new pope, newish pope, Pope, John, uh, pope Paul, John Paul, see? I think it's hard. Pope Paul III approved the Society of Jesus. Do you, do you have an interesting look in your face? I, just,
3: I haven't heard of the Society of Jesus.
0: Actually, you have. You probably haven't heard about it like that. By the way, Pope Paul is being played by Richard uh, today. So, So, the Society of Jesus, and I have to do a little aside here. Paul is from the same influential family that gave us Boniface, the eighth. You remember this guy? Class act. Dante put him in the eighth circle of hell in his comedy. Uh, This is the guy that got slapped when he got arrested, rightly arrested, for fraud and lechery. This is the guy that said... Um, let's have bordellos, let's do whatever we want because God just wants us to be happy. This is the guy for which I actually popped up that little YouTube video saying we still have this mentality today that our worship is really just about making us happy, it has nothing to do with God. Boniface, guy who ended badly, if you'll remember that story. gnawed um, through his own hand, wrists so that he could get himself out of his chain, so he could get to the wall, so he could bash his own brains in. This Boniface. Yes, same family. Luckily for Paul, his sister's a babe. And not only a babe, a slut. Because Cesare Borgia, Cesar, said she was really hot and she really was good at sex. So if she's really hot and she's really good at sex, what does that mean? Not just everybody, who in particular is gonna want her? I know, not gonna as as go Yeah. Okay. Come on, this is rough at the turn of the century the guys who are in charge of making the pope the pope! yeah! <laughs> che- Rodrigo Borgia! Cesare's dad Cesare says this girl is man. Cesare says this girl is really sexy and she's really good at sex dad and so the dad goes sure I'll take her on as a mistress so Pope Alexander takes the Paul's sister as his mistress which means Paul gets made a cardinal right? that's how this works for those of you saying, what's the Catholic Church doing at this time? Ta-da! So Paul gets groomed to become a pope because his sister is sleeping with the pope, etc. Now what's interesting is Paul actually takes this seriously. Even though the worst kind of nepotism, the creepiest sorts of stuff got him into office. You know, right, but he tried really hard to be a good pope. He's just like, this is wrong. What we've been doing and how we've been doing it, why we've been doing it, horribly wrong. We need to fix this. And so he issues all sorts of rulings against simony and fraud and brings out all sorts of major reforms within the church. Even wrote some bulls going against some of the earlier bulls of popes about the enslavement of native peoples. He's like, it is a sin to deprive native peoples of their rights, properties, um, freedom. You can't do that. Now, he doesn't actually say anything against the slave trade. Transporting slaves, not a problem. Owning slaves, not a problem. But going into foreign lands and taking people as slaves, he's saying, this is naughty. Unless they are genuinely, actively enemies of the church. Which, of course, how do you get around that? Everybody's married.
1: Be a Catholic. How do you get around
0: that if you're a slave trader from Portugal or Spain? Die. What? Convert or you're a slave. Convert or you're a slave. Well, I don't want to convert. Ah, obviously you're an enemy of the church. Okay. But still, the, his heart is right. He's like, this is wrong. We need to stop doing this. And so I want to give him some credit here. Technically, after centuries of really black hat popes, so we got to, I can't give him a white hat. I would love to give him a white hat. It's desperate to give him a white hat. I was studying this guy, I'm like, whoo, whoo, white hat, and he goes, yeah, he's still a little bit of a slime. Um, he still had his own mistress. He still um, abused his own people, because he's, he's still a rich family guy. He still owns lands. He, he had to he's put down multiple rebellions within his own peasants, and he put them down rather nastily. Still politic to get his own sons because he had children and grandchildren through his mistresses. To get them into positions of power, etc. So, I mean, we'll give them smudgy gray, light gray, light gray, light smudgy gray compared to the black hats that we've been seeing. But, much better Pope. Now, 1540, he approves the Society of Jesus founded by Ignatius of Loyola. Best looking Catholic priest ever. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. So yes, I keep trimming hair to try to match things. So yeah, best looking Catholic best looking Catholic priest ever. It would have been a Basque knight. He came from the Basque region and he was a knight in Spain uh, from an area uh, in, uh, called, called Loyola, which is why he's Nigo de López de Loyola. It's from the family of Lopez and Loyola. Anyway, because he was a knight, they integrated his military background into building this Society of Jesus, or the Companions of Jesus, which was kind of a play on words because companions meant friends, but if you're companions, you're also part of a company of soldiers and things. So, he's a successful knight, and he becomes this, this builder of a, of a society. In fact, it's because he was a such, a, such a soldier that he became a Christian in the first place. He had fought for the Duke of Navarre, or Nevada, whether you're from France or Spain, how do you pronounce it? Um, he fought on behalf of the Duke, and he was hurt really badly at the Battle of Pamplona. And so if you have one leg broken and the other leg shot up pretty bad, what do you do? Well, could. But this is still the end bit of medieval medicine. Give me another couple hundred years and all they'll be able to do is chop it off. But we still have medieval dark ages medicine which was good right drain the blood blood. what do you do you you, you're not gonna lose your legs but you can't use them so you what do you do for the next month or two or three read all I can do is read books just sat there and read and and read and read specifically he read the works of a bunch of Catholic mystics because there was this growth in Spain of, of a bunch of mystics who were writing all sorts of books and he read several works of the Life of Christ <sighs> These lives of Christ were not Like biographies the way We would normally think of them It's more like <laughs> Any biography written during this
2: time Is still a little bit
0: of a farce It is a little bit of a farce <laughs> The lives of Christ that were written at this time it's, it's more like let me vicariously Take you through his life As if you were walking with him uh, Let me add all sorts of interesting things That Christ never actually did But wouldn't it be cool if he had Pardon me? It's historical, fi- it's fan fiction uh, uh, It's Jesus fan fiction um, But it, it, it brings you into it It's it, it's fantastical On all senses of what that means to be fantastical Sci-fi, fan fiction about Jesus Anyway So he was totally turned on by this And he renounced everything secular that he'd done And he accepted the call into the priesthood He's like, if Jesus had this spectacular life That's what I want I want to live like Jesus I want to have that kind of a life um, I want to follow his example. So he became a priest and created this company of teachers, theologians, social activists. He's like, I was changed by reading books. I want other people to be changed by reading books. I have been running around chopping people up with a sword for years. We need to fix this. Not just not just share with people and, and change their souls, but we need to change the world. We need to make this a better place. People are hurting out there. We need to fix it. And like any good soldier, he goes, now. We need to fix it now. Enough of this. Let's pray and hope everything's going to be good. No, that's namby-pamby. Fix it now. Roll up your sleeves. Fix it now. Go someplace, fix it. Move someplace else. But do it based on theology. Do it based on on study and and learning. So the Jesuits, as the Society of Jesus became called, the Jesuits combined three things that were huge at this time in terms of a Catholic self-reform. Number one, they were dedicated to being absolutely righteous, absolutely God-honoring, genuinely focused on reform. They're like, we will not allow any kind of self-interest, greedy, corruption, anything the Jesuits, not going to happen. This is squeaky clean, absolute integrity from a military standpoint. I mean, we're taking this, we're regimenting ourselves to be, to be no, did this stick around? No, I mean, eventually the Jesuits were messed up too. But I mean, at this point you go, nope, to be a Jesuit is to be a stand-up guy. Uh, uh, whatever example from modern stuff you want to go to. But this is this is what they're trying for. Um, secondly, they're focused on education and learning, kind of like the Dominicans started with. We're going to be, we, we got some people who are, the Franciscans are running around helping people. The Augusta, the Augustinians are sitting there reading a lot, studying a lot. We want to be studying a lot and going and helping people. That's what the Dominicans started like. This is what the Jesuits started like. So they became the teachers. You know, if you're, if you're going to go to a good school, you're going to go to a school that's being taught by Jesuits. That lasts for centuries. Even even today, the, the best Catholic schools are the ones being taught by Jesuits. That's what
2: our current
0: focus tastes like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to ground what we're doing. It's not just being, being nice people. We're going to ground it in theology. We're going to ground it in, in philosophy.
1: Do they use actual scripture mm-hmm. as theology? Mm-hmm.
0: And they're utterly dedicated to the Pope. Now, all this is going to be extremely helpful if you're a pope trying to do reform, right? You get this army of reformers who are completely dedicated. They do a special oath to follow the pope right or wrong. Whatever the pope says, in fact, Ignatius once famously said, I believe that the white that I see before me is black if the church hierarchy so defines it. Whether the, if, if the pope tells me to skin a baby and kill it, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to praise God because the pope told me to do it. This is how much I'm going to follow the Pope. For well, the first two, exactly because
3: yeah, that's not, yeah. because,
0: because that's, the the Pope because the Pope defines what's righteous and God honor. Two out of three ain't bad. Okay, it was interesting. I, I, I did show. I, I, remember what you can say. I did show. I was walking through this a little bit with, with Megan, and, and she was just like, "Cool, oh cool, okay. There's always something, isn't there? And, I, and I was like, "Yep," yeah, but that's. Have we, haven't we found this in the history class so many times you just go oh you guys cool you believe this you believe this you believe really you believe that fourth thing too that's kind of weird okay oh but the fifth thing is good yeah. very few stark black hats very few stark white hats yes well I, I think if you're thinking about uh, a society or a company that has to have a leader like a
3: military directive you can't you have to have somebody that's calling the shots. Like, right? mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking, if he's thinking, I mean if he's got a military mindset, you lose you lose focus and you lose direction and you lose what you're going, your purpose is mm-hmm. if you don't have a leader. If you
2: don't have somebody saying, here's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, in, in order to add to that the whole idea, you don't want your troops questioning orders. Now, the best troops should always question the morality of orders. But you don't question... You know, he says, run up the hill. You don't go, well, you know, is that a good idea, really? You, yes. Yeah, it really is. You know, There's no enemy behind there. I heard that there was. I've got more intel than you. There's no enemy. Go. Are you sure? You know, That's not good army. You, you, you want them to go and do it. And yet, if you have somebody who goes, okay, go into that village, kill all the men, women, children, everybody, you want troops that say, no, that's an immoral order. I refuse to follow an immoral order. So it's always a little sticky in history as to exactly where that, that that bright line is. Yeah. And the church isn't a military organization. Arguably not. The Jesuits kind of arguably are. You know, they're, but they're like military intel. They don't, you know, they don't, they're shooting people. So it is. It's an interesting. But you, but you can see what what. Uh, what oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 what Brian's getting at is if you're taking this from a from a military standpoint this does make a certain amount of sense yes so, I mean, he, also they are Catholics we
2: are prostitutes we're, we're coming at this from an angle of but according to according to the teachings that he's going with the Pope is the victor of Christ mm-hmm. so he is the mm-hmm. leader.
0: Oh, yeah. I can see the oh, yeah. yeah. We come out of 500 years of. It's not just that the Pope isn't that great. We come out of 500 years of there is no one between you and God. Right. There's you and there's God. There are people who can help sharpen you like iron sharpens iron. There are pastors and elders and people whose wisdom you should probably consider and all this kind of stuff. But there's nobody between you and God. It's just you and you answer to God. This is 500 years. 500 years earlier than that, and in a theology that says there is someone between you and God, there is a vicar of Christ between you and God, and he's going to give you input. Remember what you were going to say, Michael. What were you going to follow? Um, I, I was
2: just going to say so sometimes, because, because feelings, sometimes I feel like we can tend too much in the direction of, well, I'm just going to do what's equal, right? I don't care what. Um, what the church has historically taught about, such as such an issue, I don't care what anybody else says, if you can use it to please, why well, I'm just going to move on. mind. Sometimes, and even when it comes to scripture, there is definitely a place for saying, I don't understand this, but this is what the authority says, I want to compromise on And that's saying that's always a good thing.
0: now we're back to sometimes more art than science with some of this stuff. Because it's not just a, well, just you follow your authority. Well, don't follow your authority. Just do whatever feels right to you. Well, no. But if you, that's, we, we say, the scripture is like, don't, don't do that. You know, Don't follow your heart. Follow your heart. Bad idea. Bad idea. You know, um, And yet, you are the one who's accountable to the Lord. If, if, if you say, well, I did this horrific thing because somebody told me to and I trust their judgment, you got, God goes, that's on you, not on them. By the way, it's also on them. But your action is on you. It, you need to know what Scripture is saying. You need to delve into it. You need to devour it. Putting that on your pastor, on your priest, on your pope, that's that's on you. You can't do that. Which which is why you go, so was the Catholic Church right when they said, Martin Luther, how dare you question Scripture as if you can interpret this yourself? You're just saying, ah, this is what I feel like. Are they right in questioning that? They're absolutely right in questioning that. Was he absolutely right in going, I have to be the one who interprets scripture for me. I have to be the one who interprets scripture for me. Because I'm the one standing before the Lord. I do what I genuinely believe the Holy Spirit in me is drawing me to. Anything else is abrogating that responsibility. He's absolutely right, yes. And for both of those to be right, you just have to hold those in in, in careful tandem. Uh, Okay, Michael and then Donna, yeah hard time understanding where he's coming from because I know he's a new believer. Mm-hmm. Um, but considering the first two points,
2: hasn't he heard anything about Boniface? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I know Paul is trying to do good, but if he knows anything about Boniface, then point three, considering point one and two, just don't make any sense. Because ah, if he's idea. written the scripture that's in that's studying that's and studying and learning that's theology, that's he has to know this is completely wrong Boniface.
0: Good question. So so often we,
1: as people, hold mutually exclusive things at the same time. And I think
3: that he just simply cannot hold the authority driven military mindset that there has to be someone. And yet still holds that we should know our scripture and that we should act appropriately. People hold those kinds of things separate and exclusive from each other at the same time, even though.
0: At the, at the risk of hyper-simplifying or exploding the issue, which I don't want to do, I know a lot of people in the military that had zero respect for Bill Clinton or very little respect for Barack Obama as Commander-in-Chief and yet say, he's Commander-in-Chief. What he says goes. You go, oh, so you think he's a good Commander-in-Chief? Doesn't enter into it. Um, so I... I don't know. I, but I, I, any more than that would have to be speculation on my part. I, I don't I don't really know. That's a really good question. Donald, what we' well, you going to say? like judges
3: and, of course, kings. And everyone did what they yeah. to, and then you it. Know, and you look at how Israel was a mess, both with all the evil kings and everyone doing what they thought was right. In those days, Israel had no king. I mean, it's like, again, you're back to the balance. I wish number three was, we're going to obey the Pope. But not right or wrong, you know. we like, like, yeah, go all the way. We'll say we'll obey the Pope. He's the Victor Christ. But like? You were just talking about the military. What a good soldier would do. It's
0: not lose that moral yep. back to a few good men. Uh, back to a few good men. Yeah, just throw movies back and forth. But yeah, I, but that's but that's the thing is you. You've, I mean, think about in, in uh, back in the twentieth century, how many times people would say, "My country, right or wrong?" You just go. Okay, if your country's wrong, you should change it. You really shouldn't just back your country if it's wrong. Or, or better red than dead. Better dead than red. You just go, both placards are wrong. You do understand this, right? These are not your only two chances. Joshua, are you
3: for me or, or against
0: me? There you go. Um, and, and even even that whole, to, to extend that one, even that whole, as for me and my house, we're for the Lord. You know, this is like this idea of going, you need to decide, you need to choose the right thing. As your leader, I'm saying this is the right thing. Here's why. I'm going to lead you in this, but it's on you. You need to make the right choice for the right reasons. The best times in in Israel were when King David, King Josiah, King whomever, will walk up and go, let me lead you in doing the right thing. Let's go back to the Lord. Let's figure out what the right thing is, and let me encourage you in doing the right thing. Not when people just did whatever Asa said to do. Or... Times of judges where people went, yeah, no, whatever. And it's like somewhere, somewhere where you say, "I'm going to, I'm going to respect my leaders, while at the same time, not follow them into doing the wrong thing." I, Daniel, it's like, my king, may you live forever. I am utterly devoted to my king. Okay, I'm going to make it a rule that you can't pray to God. I'm going to break that rule. And then when you open up, when you open up the tomb at the, no, tomb, the the. Uh, the lion's dead in the morning and you say, tell me you're still alive. I'm going to come out and go, my king, may you live forever. You're still my king. By the way, you were wrong and I'm not following you there. And you are absolutely my king. It's like, that's a hard balance. And yet, time and time again in scripture, that's the balance we're told. Peter's saying, even when your leaders are deviants, they're twisted, you respect your leaders. So you'll, you'll follow them into deviancy? Absolutely not but you respect them. Jude talks about, you know, not even, not even, uh, um, uh, isn't it Jude? Yeah, he was talking about not even, uh, uh, didn't even slander Satan. If you don't toss out slanderous accusations on, on Satan, stand against him, but don't just disrespect people that you don't like. It's a strange balance to try to go in. Yeah? I just had a question.
1: How much would the people have known? I mean, would it be like when you think of President
2: Kennedy, you yeah. didn't know about his affairs until much later? I mean, that
3: could have helped if they just didn't know yeah. some of the things they must not have known a lot
2: because that wouldn't be publicized. <laughs> yeah. And then you know you don't There need was no internet. No. Yeah, there's no <laughs> internet. So I mean
0: I'm just thinking that's gotta I just don't know, but would and that have been public knowledge? Not not necessarily. Um once you become kind of a high Ranking importantly, person you'd, you'd be kind of aware of that kind of stuff, and uh, uh, even 50 years ago, um, it, there was a common phrase "drunk as a pope," because the pope was so famous for being drunk all the time. That so I mean, people were aware of how messed up the popes were. They just weren't aware how. Messed up the Pope's were, so it, that's, a, that's another good point. There weren't blogs out there, you know. There's no WikiLeaks telling you how much these people are messed up. Like when
3: they started brothels and stuff, and been, I mean, that but would then, be fairly
0: public, Absolutely. What's wrong with brothels? Pokes even also? your, even even Augustine said they're a good idea, oh, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> how else are you going to keep people? How can women be safe on the street? Men have to have sex. They have to have brutal sex regularly. How can, you, how can you women walk the streets if there aren't prostitutes that the men can vent their needs on? Remember, they provided brothels and prostitutes for church councils. Remember that? For major church councils, the church paid for prostitutes for the guys every night. Because, of course, what else are you going to do? So some of the things that we look at today, you got to be careful. Really, really, you got to be careful when you're reading history that you you don't read modern sensibilities back into 500 years ago. We can read scriptural sensibilities into this, but not modern ones. You can't look back and go, mistreatment of women. You go, really? Who would have been thinking that 500 years ago? Um, What you can do is look at scripture and say, well, what does the Bible say about how you should treat one another, brothers and sisters in Christ? Is this appropriate? Well, of course not. But at this time, there were a lot of people who, remember Menno Simons saying, to be a good priest, I need to make sure the one thing I don't do is read the Bible. All my fellow priests are saying, do not crack that book open. It is going to mess you up. Because you don't get to decide what it means. And if you read it, you're going to be tempted to decide what it means. Do not crack that book open. So, it's it. yeah, you're right, but nobody's going to look at it that way. Boy, we spent more time on this third one, than I had. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, and it's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. That's what the class is. You guys bring the better stuff to the class than I do, so this is this is good. But we're back here. So Ignatius and his Jesuits um, quickly become extremely influential because they're dedicated, they're regimented, they're solid, they're decent, and they're absolutely devoted to the Pope. So Pope Paul loves these guys. So you get this emphasis on personal study. And for the, for the first time in a long time, you get this Catholic emphasis on cracking open the Bible. When they, these militaristic, I mean, they don't carry swords, not that kind of militaristic, but the regimented uh, society of Jesus says, we're going to do some serious damage to the kingdoms of this world, and we're going to do it based on scripture. Then, then they're emphasizing opening it up, but they're emphasizing opening up and reading it from the church hierarchy's interpretations. You don't get to interpret it, but you do open it up and you do read it. So it's a very Catholic take on what the the Reformers are doing at this stage of saying, hey, have you read this thing? This is, like I've said before, you get Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon and Jean Calvin and Menno Simons who say, you know, now that I've opened this thing up, now that I'm actually reading this, we need to change some stuff. That's what Josiah did back in the Old Testament. Hey, has anybody read this thing? We need to change some stuff. That's what the Catholics are now doing under Ignatius, going, you know, we actually need to read this thing. It's kind of huge. This is this is a this is a big deal. All right. So the black robes are everywhere. They wear black robes. Um, there was a short time where they wore orange robes in in the, in the far east. Anybody know why the Jesuits wore orange robes in the far east? I didn't want to hazard a guess. Anybody that's ever watched the old Kung Fu TV show? Yeah. I didn't want to be. Um, missed, well, they wore black robes over
3: there for whatever for being.
0: August or being, uh, anyway. yep, okay. Be, being misrepresented. Okay. It, it involves that. Okay, Steve, you got a smile on your face when I said Kung Fu. Do you remember the real show? Okay, what color robes did the, did the Shaolin monks wear? They were orange. So the Jesuits were like, you already process orange as the color that monks wear. Okay, we'll wear orange. And like overnight, everybody in Japan is like, oh, okay, we respect you now. I'm like, oh, this is stinking brilliant. We just changed the color of our robes and it gets sudden street cred. Works for me. So yeah, we wear orange. Until the Catholic Church went, wait, 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 you were sanctioned to wear black. You know, right, but but if we wear orange over here, that we, we get immediate credibility, immediate respect, we're gonna wear orange. The Catholic Church says, well, we'll communicate you if you wear orange. You were designed to wear black. You go, we'll be a lot less effective if we wear black It's in your charter, you wear black Okay, Did everybody Dominicans change Was it black
3: or was it black with the white? Pardon me? The Dominicans, black?
0: the Dominicans were black and white Okay Okay. So, two years later Pope Paul III institutionalizes the Inquisition um, We've been talking about There's a Spanish Inquisition There's a Portuguese <laughs> Inquisition, etc These things have been running for decades now But Paul centralizes the authority. He's like, we're gonna gonna have a main clearinghouse, a central office, he referred to it as a congregation, a standing congregation of cardinals and bishops whose whole job it is to oversee the inquisitions. Because we've gotten reports that the inquisitions are getting just a little out of hand. Um, Which, as we talked about, they weren't as much as you would think, right? And the Spanish inquisition, the reason the Spanish inquisition was as horrible as it was is because England didn't like the Spanish and so they're telling you, oh, they do evil things. Oh, they drink Pepsi in the morning instead of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Wild things, they're Peninsula, a place of darkness. Anyway, but um, <laughs> but so, so, so he says, all right, I want to I want to make sure that we do this right. We need to have an Inquisition. We need to have something that that roots out heresy that stands against. the the reform movements like Lutheranism and Calvinism all that kind of stuff. But, we need to make sure we're doing it sharp. We need to make sure we're doing it smart. It was the Roman inquisition that later tried Galileo. This is maybe Galileo. Galileo, for his obviously wrong beliefs that the earth traveled around the sun, and that comets didn't just dance between the earth and the moon. He's like, I'm pretty sure they're farther away than that. Ah! Heretic. So, but that was the Roman inquisition. He went to Rome and stood b- before this inquisitional uh, congregation. But if you, if you know anything about Galileo, you know the biggest problem is that he published it, his ideas. If he had just sat there thinking them, it probably would have been okay. But he foolishly published them in a periodical and that got him into trouble. I say that because in, 14, in 1543, books get people into trouble. We're going to publish a bunch of books in, in in 1543, where people are getting into trouble here. For instance, this is the year that Prussian astronomer Copernicus wrote his Revolutions of the Heavenly Spheres, that also talked about Earth revolving around the sun. Going to, going to get in a little bit of trouble for that, right?
1: Because
0: even though Isaiah says, oh, "Alright, right. well, you're <laughs> quoting scripture though, and that's good. You should." <laughs> the Church says scripture is very clear on this point. Okay, the Bible declares the world is firmly established, it cannot be moved, right? <laughs> <coughs> very clear, and God once commanded in the midst of a battle, O sun, stand still. Which means that clearly, the sun moves, and the earth doesn't. The Bible's very clear, to say that the earth revolves around the sun is obviously going against scripture. Would you agree?
2: <laughs>
0: again, again, remember Jesuits, think, thank Ignatius, you go, ah, we're going back, we're going, hey, use the Bible, you know, ah, maybe get to know it before you start using it like this, but uh, how would you respond? How would you respond to that Psalms one? That saying the earth is fixed in the heavens, it doesn't move, right? It's fixed in its orbit. The <laughs> <laughs> okay. They just
1: didn't know also, about fixed- orbit yet.
2: Yeah. Also fixed on the, the axis,
0: you know, that it spins on, mm-hmm. that can't do its, whether it's 23, whatever degrees or something. Yeah. yeah, I don't
3: remember. So yeah, Something. <laughs> yeah. And maybe not even talking about the earth, it's talking about God's control of the earth, God's... Universe.
0: There you go. Everything you just said is valid. But technically, the word "moved" here and "world" here—it's important that they're using the, these words. It's talking about the relative structural integrity of, of things that are going on. The world is not going to fall apart. God is is holding on to it. It's not going to drop out of the sky. When he's when he's talking about the world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He's not saying the globe is stuck at a point and isn't isn't moving. He's saying no, 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 no. God has the world in His hands, and it's not just falling apart, take a deep breath, God's sovereign. That's what that's getting at. And this other one, it's just, you know, a poetical way of saying time essentially stands still. The sun that you see moving across the sky, it's not moving across the sky. And you go, so he's saying the sun moves. From your perspective, you don't realize you're moving thousands of miles an hour at the moment. You don't get it. From your perspective, yes, the sun is moving, but no, it just I'm not saying that the sun stopped moving. I'm saying, from your perspective, the sun stops moving. Time stands still, what have you. But I'm amazed at how many people take that section from Joshua and go, do you realize what would happen if the earth actually stopped rotating? I'm pretty sure he's not getting it. That, per se. But, uh, who knows. Anyway, because it's not that the world stopped rotating, per se. It's that you had an extended supernatural chunk of time to do what you you were trying to do. Anyway. What was interesting is, though, we used to think, oh, he got pounded, I'm sure. Not really. There were a couple of Dominicans that wrote a couple of books going, nah. But that's about it. Nobody made a big deal about this. It was a century later with, with Galileo. That's when they jumped on it and said, oh, we got to slam this. But with Copernicus, no, it took him 80 years before anybody really started jumping down his throat. He was long dead by the time he had any problems. Why? Because everybody thought it was kooky. Nobody bought into this. If I started writing books about uh, the the world is actually made out of jello, there is no Europe. It's all just a conspiracy of cartographers. You know, people just sit there. Nobody's <laughs> gonna nobody's gonna rip that to shreds. They're just gonna sit there and go, Cook? and walk on. But that's even the reform camps. Everybody's like, "No." Jean Calvin. I went looking for quotes from John Calvin on on. Um, heliocentrism, I found like 20 or 30 uh, from him on this. He wrote at one point, we indeed are not ignorant that the circuit of the heavens is finite and that the earth, like a little globe, is placed in the center. It's like, no, he's all about the earth being the center of everything. The, the, The earth doesn't move. The sun moves around. I mean, goes into great detail multiple times about, well, of course, of course the sun moves around the earth. And he's a bright guy. Philip Melanchthon wrote, about this whole idea of, well, maybe the sun's the center of the, like, some people believe it's a marvelous achievement to extol so crazy a thing, like a Polish astronomer who makes the earth move and the sun stands still. <laughs> you have to, by the way, you have to make that noise after reading that quote. You have to read that quote and it <laughs> Everybody thought, this is just a mat. Nobody bought into this. It wasn't until you got in later and you went, oh, wait a minute, yeah, by the time you get to Galileo... People have been chewing on this for 80, 90 years and they're like, you know, that makes a little bit of sense. You know, now that I'm actually looking at the math, that actually makes some sense. I think he's got something going there. And the church is like, well, totally have to stamp that out. No more of that comets don't dance just above the clouds thing. And it's like, nope. anyway, but it's just interesting that I, we go back to, remember we were talking about with coffee and Dr. Pepper coffee and, and, and Diet Coke. Just go, cool. one person's, well, this is what I do. You go really tweak it just a little bit. You go, ah, I see. you know, it's like you know, as long as everybody goes, oh, whatever. Then nobody really cares. If you get enough people going, you know, it makes a little bit of sense. You go, okay, burn him at the stake. We hate him. We hate him. and it's just like, oh, geez, just roll. And, oh, there's no roll. But with Copernicus, everybody's like, yeah, okay, whatever. This is also the same year that the Parliament in England banned William Tyndale's 1526 English translation of the Bible. Um, the Catholic Church has said for a while don't be making your own translations into your own languages but this is the first time that the Church of England officially takes a stance and says stop it! You will not be using it! They they said it's a crafty, false, and untrue translation. It shall be clearly and utterly abolished, extinguished, forbidden to be kept or used in this realm! Why? Why was Tyndale's translation so horrible? Because people could read it Oh, no, 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 no. No. At this stage, ain't no ain't no happy times between the Pope and, and King Henry, right? Did it happen to mention bad things about divorce? Actually, Tyndale did stand against Henry's divorce. So I mean Henry didn't like Tyndale personally. But remember when we talked about this translation specifically what he did? It was the bishops, wasn't it? Yeah. Tyndale wasn't just translating in English, he was a good etymologist. He went back to what is the original meaning of these things? He said he's Instead of taking ecclesia and calling it the Catholic Church, i.e. the Catholic Church, i.e. Rome, he said ecclesia just means like called out ones, it means a congregation. So when he saw ecclesia, he translated congregation. When he saw presbyteros, he said it, it means old guy, one who came before, it's, it's an elder. It doesn't mean priest, priest being a corruption of Um Episcopos literally means overseer, it doesn't mean bishop. And so I'll talk about overseers in the churches. I'm going back to the original meanings because I want to remove. It. I'm consciously trying to remove this from layers and layers of hundreds of years of Catholicism over it. Let's just get back to what these words actually meant. I wish we did. Th- I'm big into etymology. I wish we did that more today in general. People are forever using words, and I go, "You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means." You know, it's like. <laughs> You've gotten so used to it meaning this, I don't think you realize it really means that I said literally.
3: <laughs> it's,
0: it's inconceivable, isn't it? Um, <laughs> oh, the irony. Um, people use ironic all wrong. Anyway, the point is, is that he, he was um, subversive. I mean, his etymology was subversive. He was consciously trying to be. And so they're like, this is horrible. You are changing things. Now, which side of the camp you stand on? The Catholic side or the reforming side? Protestant side, whatever you want to refer to it as. Kind of depends on how, whether you think this was awesome or horrible. He subversively went back and said, what do these words originally mean? So the Catholics are like, this is corrupt. The Protestants said, finally, something that's value neutral. Not, not necessarily good, but you go... Where the Catholics say, you have infused your own meanings into this. The Protestants said, finally, you've taken infused meanings out of this. Personally, I tend to look at this and go, finally, you've taken infused meanings out of this. I don't mind bishop, church, priest, except that by the time he's, he's translating this, these have specific meanings. The, the Apostles' Creed, by this time, by our time, didn't mean what it originally meant. Because these words now had... Um, had infused meanings in the original Apostles' Creed when they said he sent it into Hades and, and, and three days rose again. You go, right, they meant the grave. But by this time, they're like, yeah, he went into hell and then came out of hell. They, they have a whole theology about Jesus going into hell. You just go, really? The Bible never talks about Jesus going into hell. Never, never even applies that he went into hell. What... what infused meanings versus what was the original intent? Anyway, so the Church of England uh, made use of their own English Great Bible that Henry signed off on, which is why, yes, people could read it, but people could also read the Great Bible. Rome was really torqued off that they used an English Great Bible in all their services. Rome's like, you're still translating the Bible in English. Henry's like, yeah, well, I'm not Roman Catholic anymore, so, you know, in the 16th century English way. Pardon me? I bite my thumb at thee. Yeah, there you go. Do they still have original um, Tyndale copies Yeah. Those, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they didn't like go and majorly try to
1: destroy them? Yep, they tried.
0: Oh,
1: okay,
0: but then they were still
1: preserved.
0: Yeah, but part of it is, if you remember, Tyndale didn't didn't originally print it in England. He had to go to the cotton to get them printed. So it it, it was more like, yes, you'd ran around trying to find them and burn them and things, but you, you, you try to, like, think of it almost like uh, uh, smuggling Bibles into China or something. You're smuggling Bibles from the continent into England. you you'd smuggle it in with your baggage on the ship that you just brought in. So they'd search baggage and look for contraband Bibles. The church, the Christian church, looking for contraband Bibles. It's an interesting time in history. Okay, by the way, but in large part, the great Bible, which again, we still have copies of everything, was simply Tyndale's Bible, and they went back and re-revised it. They took out all the subversive, anti-Catholic stuff, and they went back to the original, traditional Catholic things. So they just kind of, they took his translation and like did a lot of whiteout, and, and wrote, you know, it, yeah? So, I'm confused, though, because if you have, you know, the Bible in Latin mm-hmm. I guess and he's he's got his Bible in English if you're saying you're putting in the, the, the old traditional words again you can't put the you know isolated Latin words into the I'm we do it all the time you just don't think of it as a Latin word sanctification that's Latin it just doesn't um, sound like Latin because we've made it into an English word right, oh. but,
3: but they're, it's not the same
0: well okay, like priest. Just because just
3: because there's a word that we traditionally
1: use, a Latin word that we use,
0: and then you and then you make uh, you know an um, English word out of it, doesn't mean those two words are gonna have the same meaning or the same nuance. Right. And and they're trying very hard to not have the same meaning, the same nuance. No. So, so yeah, maybe i not Okay. priest Butros. In the, in, in the Old Greek, is talking about um, essentially an elder, right. an older Christian. Not necessarily older in age, in context, but more mature Christian. You could technically have an elder who's older than somebody else, but or younger than somebody else. Right. Um, so if you really wanted to get back to the original etymology of it, when you translated it into English, you do what Tyndale did and call it elder. By the way, we have elders in our church, right? Not because they're older, but because we, we assume they're mature, solid Christians and things. The word that had been used up to that point for that sort of thing was a, 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 an Old English corruption of the word presbyter, priest. Um, meaning somebody who stands between you and God. So they already had... The word they, priest. I'm sorry, had, Yeah, so they already had in English translations of those Latin words. Ish. English corruptions of those Latin words, yeah Okay
3: um,
0: So, you, so you'd, have, you'd have priest and you'd use priest um, But even today, uh, is there a church that you know of, that you can think of That would be comfortable with the word presbyteros more so than we are? Presbyterian, there's presbyters in a Presbyterian church, right? It's trying to go back to this And you sit there and you go, well, that's not an English word You ask a Presbyterian they go, of course that's an English word You go, well, it's just a presbyter is just an English corruption of an old Greek word. But but we've used it for so long that Presbyter is an English word. Um, sanctification is a Latin word, but it's an English word. Atonement, we think, oh is that like an old English is that like a Latin word you go No, it's atonement. It's an English word. It, but we, we smush it all together and we all think of it as all Englishy words, because we've gotten so used to some of these things. I'm not saying that the use of the word presbyter is wrong. In fact, in some ways you go, right, you're using this Greek word, but we infuse it with a specifically English meaning. If we say priest, presbyter, and elder, would we have the exact same nuance in all three of those, even though technically they're all pointing back to the same word? Jenny? Some there's corruption between Greek and Latin, there's corruption between Latin and English, there's corruption between Greek and English. Right, so if the original Catholic Bible is Latin, the mm-hmm. Catholic translation is, and that's what the Church of England using. Uh, also, so corruption really has to be Greek and Latin, not Greek Latin. Well, it's a both and. It's- was trying to go back to, to the original. Yeah. Okay, but as they are
2: talking in English, even if their services, and do they call them a priest every day? Yep. So so the word exists as priest, and he's trying to separate out from that. Right. And,
0: and And what the Great Bible did was, let's go back to the words, let's go back to the words that we used, Greek, Latin, English, that we used when we were Catholic. Because the Church of England is trying to be very Catholic in England. Yeah, uh, instead of a Roman Catholic church, it's a Canterburyan Catholic church. You know, but it's, it's definitely trying to be the Catholic church at this stage in the game. Um, but they're consciously trying to say, let's take all the things that Tyndale did at end around and went, can we just go back to what this originally meant in the Greek? And go back to layers and layers of centuries of infused meaning, and use those words. Um, so like... Um, the Eucharist. It's not really a... Oh, that's not a biblical word. It's not a horrible word. It's, but Eucharist, communion, Lord's Supper, those are all pointing back to the same thing, right? You know, but they all have different nuances. Um, communion talking about you walking with the Lord. You and the rest of the congregation together with God. That's communion. Lord's Supper is focusing on the fact that we're coming to the Lord's table together, we're remembering that that last supper that he had with his his disciples, and we're pointing back to the Passover meal as well. Eucharist is talking specifically about the good gift of the sacraments, when you receive God's grace because you have just taken the sacramental elements. Even though all three of these things are all pointing back to technically the same action of eating bread and drinking wine, they bring different infused meanings into it, words mean stuff. So, yes? How about
3: the Hebrew word for priest? I mean, as someone who administers mm-hmm. at the temple, how is that relate to the word for elder? I mean, aren't those totally different
0: things? Is there a different Greek word? I mean, like the priest at the temple, isn't there? Well, yeah, because what the priest at the temple we're, were, which is part of why this gets a little convoluted, is because the priest in the Old Testament stood between you and God. They made sacrifices. The Catholic Church says, right, that's what a priest does. On a, on a Sunday morning, he stands between you and God, and he sacrifices Jesus for you, just like they did in the Old Testament. Which is why I have repeatedly in the last 11 years said, I am not a priest. You have one high priest, and that's Jesus Christ. He sacrificed himself. Nobody else sacrifices Jesus. Nobody stands up here in the, in the, uh, uh, in the pulpit between you and God. Nobody stands here presenting you and God. We are called priests to the rest of the world, because we do stand between the rest of the world and God. We're drawing them to Christ's sacrifice and things. But we're a kingdom of priests. I'm not a priest. So this word does get kind of convoluted. Yes,
3: Isn't it a different word? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, like if you translated elder in oh, Hebrew, that would be a different
0: word than like Cohen. I know is priest. Okay. Any, anybody with a with a smartphone, work on this. You got four minutes. Um, <laughs> we could do it later. I just was like, aren't those different words? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, uh, I think, yeah, I, I'll grab the uh, I'll, I'll grab the uh, Strong's Concordance here when we're done, and I'll talk about it afterwards. I should know this. I, as soon as I read it, I'm just going to go, double it. <laughs> Anyway, um, we, we haven't got that far. Anyway, um, that's absolutely fine. Where was it going with this? I all. all right. Yeah, we'll direct you. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah. So, you've got the English reformers. There's a lot of English reformers that still held on to the Tyndale Bible. Because they're like, this, the, our reform movement likes the fact that you're we getting back to this value neutral. Whereas the Church of England is like, oh, no, it's a corruption. It's the exact opposite of value neutral. So, there becomes a divide over the Tyndale Bible. No, I think it's named Tyndale in in honor of Tyndale. Yeah. Anyway, it's the same year that Martin Luther published on the Jews and their lies. Oh, um, what?
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: Anyway, <laughs> calling them the devil's people and inciting violence against them. It's like they 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 are not God's people. He said we are at fault and not slaying them. They called for Christians to burn down synagogues, destroy houses and businesses, loot and reclaim all their property, all their assets, and forbid all rabbis from teaching and Jews from congregating. This is what we should do. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. They're horrible people. They killed Jesus. What are you, nuts? Oh, yeah. No, they're horrible. They're rotten. He said, God's anger with them is so intense that a gentle mercy will merely tend to make them worse while even a sharp mercy will reform them only a little. Therefore, in any case, we must do away. Yes? And, and he's right, because the Bible says so.
3: Because Pilate says, his blood is on you, and he meant the Jews. Well, they Actually, themselves yes. his blood be on our heads, and okay. other children say It, yeah. so yes. So yes. So so so
0: it is. <laughs> it is. And this is, again, let's go back to sliding scale right Uh, you know because you you sit there you go well that's just racist it's ridiculous to think that the jews called any curses down on their heads by by killing jesus um no actually that is biblical when when mel gibson put that in 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 the passion that that was out of the bible that was not mel being anti-semitic maybe mel is anti-semitic but those words are just out of scripture where they said his blood be on us and on our children right having said that sliding scale. That's horrible to apply it this way, oh, just, I agree. yeah, just because just because the people went, um, we, we, we call down God's curses on us for what we're doing. It doesn't mean, okay, Jews have thus tossed their covenant to the Lord to the, to the wayside. God no longer cares about the Jews, He hates them. They murdered Jesus. Let's forget all that whole Pilate and Romans in armor. It
3: does mean that.
0: It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. <laughs> well, and we're a
3: Jewish sect. I mean, go back to, yeah. let's go back to our
0: origins. Well, that's the thing. is it, it, There's whole theologies about, well, that's it for the Jews. And you just talk okay, I get it. But again, what did Paul say when he's talking about? Okay, I'm really trying to reach out to them. Though Even those theologies go, right, why do you have to reach out to them? Because they got torn away. And so now you're having to reach out to them as a lost as a lost group. Other people go, no, 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 they're like wayward cousins. No, no. Whatever it means, it doesn't mean this. <laughs> <laughs> this whole idea of crystal knife yeah. Did Hitler quote Luther and some a Special shiny nickel for you. I was thinking uh, about that
3: exactly. <laughs> was wow. Special shiny
0: nickel. Oh! Hitler, I don't, I don't who know. despised Christianity as a as a religion for weaklings, kept quoting Christian things. Like any good politician, he's like, I don't care if I'm if I'm internally consistent. It's all about the sound bites. When I talk to Christians, I quote Luther. When I talk to other people, I say, Christianity, is a, yeah, Christianity is, a, is a religion for wimps. You follow a god who lost. No, 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 no. This is horrible. We should be Norse. Nordic. We should follow the great Teutonic gods and things. Actually, we shouldn't do any. Actually, let's go hunt for the ark in the desert, which he actually did. You know, why those movies work is because Hitler was obsessed with looking for the spirit of destiny, the Ark of the Covenant, this kind of stuff. Any kind of magic-y stuff. It's like, I don't care whether it's it's Old Testament, New Testament, Nordic, I don't care if I find Thor's hammer. All I care is about attaching myself to things of power. Perceived things of power. So, yeah, he was like, I'm quoting Luther. In fact, it wasn't just Hitler and the Nazis. There There was... German federations of churches that said, this is totally fine. And not just German. There was a big brown shirt movement in England. Um, A brown shirt candidate almost became prime minister. Um, This was big in the United States. Anti-Semitism was really popular until the end of World War II and we had GIs who were walking through Auschwitz and Dachau and came back and said, too much, too much, too much. Why is it that England spearheaded the Israel-needs-their-own-country movement because England was heading toward fascism and anti-Semitism. And they went, what were we doing? You know? So this is kind of a big deal. Um, the bishop of the Thuringian Lutheran Evangelical Church wrote favorably at the beginning of one of his books, on 10 November 1938, on Luther's birthday, the synagogues are burning in Germany. It's a good thing. It's a Christian thing. Praise God. He applauded Martin Luther as, quote, the greatest anti-Semite of his era, the warner of his people against the Jews, unquote.
1: What year was this guy? He, 38. He was applauding, 1938, okay. My question is, you know, just back and forth that we all think this is a horrible thing, is that here Paul was reaching out, and once Paul was converted, he didn't go out and try to kill them. Right. You know, the Jews, he... When he, was he tried to reach them. Right, so it's kind of interesting that that part... Of
0: yeah, and, and there are still a lot of people who argue um, for an anti Semitic Paul that Paul had a problem with Jews and pull a lot of his verses out of context, arguing that Paul. But that he's constantly talking about how lost the Jews are, and you need to, um, anybody who wants to, to circumcise should just chop off the whole thing, and just, you, anybody who tries to do any of this, it's just hatred toward Judaism, you go, you're totally misreading Paul. Uh, Wendy's uncle does the opposite, and he's like, "Yeah, Paul's a total Jew. He didn't, uh, he didn't believe in Judaism. In fact, to be a good Christian, you have to be a Jew. Paul was very clear about that." And you go, you look "Both sides." And you go, "You need to read all of the verses." You know, you, you're like both sides. They're like, going, "I read the odd-numbered verses. I read the even-numbered verses." <laughs> Strangely, we have a different Bible. You know. um, <laughs> Yeah, it's very much. But so, so there, there, there's definitely a move, especially unfortunately within Lutheranism and even. Even up into the into the mid twentieth century in a lot of Lutheran commentaries on things, a very anti Semitic perspective on this. Which is not a purely only Lutheran thing though. I'm just saying they they came by a natural. But yeah, go ahead. Well,
1: we have today um, the the big movement um, uh, where we took over the Jews that were the chosen Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Um,
0: um well, there's a couple of different versions of that, I mean, because you, you talk about um, replacement. Dismissi- the replacement, replacement theology or, di- okay, go ahead. So
1: that kind of started with Luther back in a sense. Well, at least,
0: at, at, at least a modern iteration of it started with, with Luther, yeah. Right. And
1: then when Luther published that way mm-hmm. back then, was there a, a push then like for a Holocaust type?
0: There already thing? was. I mean, this okay. is, this is when Luther published this, this is only, what, 45 years 50 years since uh, Spain and Portugal giddily happily said we got rid of the last Jew. I and mean, this is this is still that same thing. And what's interesting is, you remember Philip Melanchthon, our good Lutheran? Um, Philip Melanchthon moved himself farther away from Luther and expressed that he thought Luther had fallen victim to the rabies of theologians. It, he's just like, this idea of saying, I am the only one that understands this. I am the only one who could possibly interpret this. I get the hidden will of God and everybody else doesn't get it. In fact, he, he recognized there's an inherent danger to any reform. To the hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right? There are some really good apologists. I love R.C. Sproul. He's awesome. He's an awesome apologist. And you point him outside of the church, he's phenomenal. You point him inside the church, he's a destructive poison. Every, every piece of literature I have seen from R.C. Sproul's uh, ministry in the last decade has been about why they are the only ones who are true. Everybody else is wrong. Anybody who would, who would read anything other than the ESV is evil. Anybody who would believe this is evil. Anybody who is charismatic is evil. Anybody who doesn't do this is evil. They're destroying the church. They're destroying. The church. You go, can't you just say, I disagree? And here's why. You are so much more civil to the Muslims than you are to your fellow Christians. But to the hammer, everything looks like a nail. Still love R.C. Sprawl. Great. I'm not dissing on that. I'm just—it's hard. It's hard to not see that everybody else must be inherently wrong. For roughly, for roughly the same union, the reason that union leaders can never be really satisfied with any contract that they negotiate, because their whole job is predicated on continuing to, con- to negotiate contracts. I'm not even saying that they're feathering their own nest. I'm talking legitimate, good, solid, healthy, good union leaders. You go, but day in and day out, your whole job is negotiating new contracts. How can you ever say, and now we're done? No. How is management sticking it to the employee now? I guarantee if you look, you'll find it. If you look for why your spouse is, was really a jerk today, guarantee you'll see it. Maybe they were, but even if they weren't, guarantee you'll find it, right? Rabies of theologians, it's, it's infectious, it's destructive. It'll drive you bonkers. 1545, millions of Aztecs die. We'll end on that. Well, it's perky. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, but let's let's close, because we have to stop. got like a third of the way through but I, I didn't want to stop on quite this this negative a note. Um, But what are you left with? I mean, where are you standing with what's going on in in church history at the moment? Specifically in Europe. Except, I want to go back. There's Paul. Paul genuinely is trying to fix things. Ignatius is genuinely trying to fix things. Now, you may say, I think... Martin Luther started good. Martin Luther started... Melanchthon is still solid. In fact, Melanchthon is... is, is, His hat is washing as we... we, He's, what I keep referring to as a good Lutheran, better Lutheran than Luther was, and he's washing his hat. He's like, I'm taking more steps back. This is just wrong. He started as, as dogmatic as Lutheran as he's been in, interacting and debating with Zwinglians and all sorts of other people. He's like, you know, you guys make a good point. I think actually it's more like this. He's been a good theologian, so much so that eventually the church of New England says, we actually need some theology. Let's talk to Luther. So there are some white hats. There are some white hats, but you're right. There's just so much darkness in this. Yes? Well, last week, or
3: last month, they actually where they were all trying to figure things out how to reform. But
2: now they're getting dumbbagged
0: about how they age the institution. Yep. And they're kind of clinging so hard to it that they turning into people. Oh, that's that's astute. Is that any, any revolution will eventually be, get institutionalized? We revolt. Everybody has a right to choose. Yeah! Everybody has a right to choose. Yeah! Yeah! Look! We have a banner, a red banner because everybody has a right to choose. Can we have a blue one? No! Burn it I want to choose blue. We have the right to choose a red banner. Your choice is red. Right. Your choice is red. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the state always said you had to have a white banner. We said you can finally have a red one. I'd, I'd like a blue one. Shoot this man. Red banner, red banner, right to choose. That's, it, it invariably happens. Yes, that's a lot what we're doing. We're beginning to see, I can't keep calling them reformers because now Catholics are trying to reform. So it's got to come up with a better word for it, which is why they started talking about Protestants. But you get these Protestant reformers and these Catholic reformers and they're trying to do good. And they are starting to do some really good things. But yes, by definition, it's beginning to get, we're reforming, ever reforming, in the direction we're already pointing. Well,
3: I just think I see how important it is to be really careful and thoughtful and humble when you've got, you know. And I even see how, you know, we laugh at, oh yeah, you know, we know that the Earth rotates around the sun and stuff like that, you know. But but we can be awfully arrogant, even how we laugh at that, you know. We can be like them, you know. Yes, we have more information, but I think we still should be thoughtful and humble and especially careful, you know, just just willing to be changed. Like you said, it's pretty cool that. And I'll rest Melanchthon, mm-hmm. you know, just that he was being stretched. You know, thank okay, God we have each other to
0: stretch each other, and, and the Bible to stretch us and teach us. And that's probably a good one to end on. Is the idea of saying in all of this, you have Ignatius going back to Scripture, you have Simon going back to Scripture, you have Calvin going back to Scripture, you have Melanchthon and Luther going back to Scripture. Reform is always at its best when, like Josiah, we go back to Scripture. We start from there Um, incorporate whatever else we incorporate into it we need to make sure that it does fit in what the 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 framework of Scripture but to to go back and say if the only true reform I don't care how important how good a given reform sounds any true reform is only good if it comes out of let's honor God in this even if we say well we want to stop child slavery around the world if you want this to be a genuinely healthy reform, you need to stop and go, wait. Why? Why? Yeah, what does God want? Why are you doing this? Are you doing this because children are sweet and they're innocent and you need to take care of them? You go, great, you've infused a theology in this that doesn't come from scripture. Why? Because slavery is just inherently naughty. Why? They don't like chains? Okay, no, no. You've infused your own emotions in this. Why? Because all these people are made in God's image. That's my brother. That's my sister. I cannot, in good conscience, call myself a child of the living God and see another child of the living God harmed and do nothing. You go, thank you, Wilberforce. That will actually cause change. That will be a healthy reform. Thank you. There will be other people who mess it up, but that is the rationale you need to go to. How from scripture does this mean we should live? Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your wisdom and for your word that never changes. Thank you, Lord, for truth that never changes. And I pray that you give us your heart as we interact with the rest of this world to to do what we do because we wish to honor you. We want to understand your wisdom and give us the wisdom to hear the wisdom of others. But give us the responsibility to know that it ultimately lands on us. We alone stand before your throne. Thank you that we stand there next to your son as our high priest. Puts his arm around us and says, this one's one of mine. In Jesus' name, amen.